So the next time you're editing, you'll hear this. Peanut butter. And dirt. Mixed in with some monkey feces. And then you eat. And then the only thing you have to get it out, the taste out of your mouth, is your own Yep, that's right. You're going to have to in a cup or in your hands. And then just to get the taste out of your mouth. That was sick. Hello out there in digital internet lands. Uh, I am Twitch Collins here with the Know Nothing Nerds podcast yet again, joined by my ever-presence and always faithful sidekick, Luke Westcott. So if we're both each other's sidekicks, what does that make us? Then we have like this other like bigger dude or girl that is like the true hero. Who is that? Um... Uh, You'll think of someone. I'll, I'll think of someone. Um, let's just call him uh, uh, Dancing uh, Caboose. Oh, I, I, thought you I were have say, no idea why. I thought you were going to say Dancing Script like the font. <laughs> <laughs> dancing Script. Uh, yes, Dancing Script. Dancing Script font is our, our supreme yes. overlord. Uh, he, uh, you know... He, he has glittery, glowing, uh, like, uh, fingers. Uh, we are the kings of awkward yes, beginnings. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. It always from. goes somewhere. What we should start doing is we should... I should not press record yet. Uh, and now that we have that out of the way, then now we, we should do really the start the intro. <laughs> oh. Welcome to the Know Nothing Nerds, our second intro. So you already heard the first intro. Here's our second intro. Uh, I'm well, Twitch Collins. You forget that I could like edit the beginning bit out. I know, but we this can is... act like this never happened. But I, I like this. We we need to fill up an hour. Damn it, we <laughs> we need content. We need content because this is another random consciousness, like stream of consciousness episode, where we talk about some nerdy stuff, things that have been going on, some cool things, maybe maybe to you, but they're cool to me. And hopefully cool to Luke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I wouldn't be sitting here if not. But, yes, very conversation style. We have yes. no idea what we're going to talk no. about today. Um, but first, before we do that, let's go ahead and get away, like, get out, get the house cleaning stuff in order. There you go. Uh, we, you can follow us on Twitter at Nerds, or you could go to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Nerds, or just search Nerds at facebook.com. Or you could email us at knownothingnerds at gmail.com. Very good. This is like the second time, like the only other time that I've not like completely fucked that up. You can do it. You do it on the quickie when you had it written out. Yes, that's true. Like I should just always <laughs> have that like have it, right in front of my have face. Have it written out. Uh, Man. It is true. I'm better when I have words in front of me. Something to read off of. Yes. I think, and, and here's something about me that I've realized. I'm a much better uh, pontificator. Is Ooh, that, is that good the word? word. Uh, when I'm actually writing stuff out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. When I'm talking, like thoughts kind of stop midway through, and I'm like, uh, 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 uh. I agree. Like, I am a really, really good public speaker. 
but I have to like meticulously plan every yeah. single thing, like every pause, every period. Yep. And then what I'll do is I'll throw in ums and likes to make it seem like I haven't planned this whole thing out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if it's not completely planned out, I completely fail at uh, public speaking. So speaking, speaking in general, speaking of public speaking, uh, you've done some of that. I've done some of that. So I've done a few, few public speaking things. Um, one of the most like terrifying ones, but also the smoothest public speaking engagement I've had was speaking at my uh, community college graduation. You spoke at that. I when spoke was that? At How it? many years ago was that? that? Was Not to shine two light years on. ago, 2016. There you go. Summer of 2016, or. Spring of 2016. How many kids? How many kids were there? So roughly 250, I think, were graduating with me. Damn. But the room, it was it was at the University of Denver, and it was in their Magnus Arena, Arena, Arena. Long words. Uh, And there was like over a thousand people there. Jesus. So this is the largest crowd by far that I've ever spoken in front of, and I was like freaking out because. Usually when I talk and uh, address people in public, uh, I sometimes will have my voice like kind of like crack and like get like nervous and sometimes, but other people, when they listen to me, they're like, oh, I didn't even notice that, right. which is great. It's all a mental game. Because I your notice head, it. Yeah. In your head, you're like, I fucking suck. So, but that time, like pristine nice beginning to end That's and good. even with some ad libs too yeah. like ad libbed yeah, yeah. a couple times um but yeah i was like holy shit like this is the biggest is crowd awesome. i've ever yeah. spoken in front of yeah. and here i am like doing it like spot on and the My second nerves, time the the second time oh i've done it all kinds of times so like either uh for Doing trainings with the student government that I used to work with um, or leading meetings. And then also I've done some stand-up comedy before. That's right. Yeah. We've talked about that before. So, And I can't tell you what at all happened when I did stand-up comedy because- (laughs) You sort of stand up on the stage and then the next thing you know you're like swallowing a- Pint of vodka. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Although I hate vodka. Um (laughs) But yeah, I literally like start, I stand up, do my thing. And I don't remember a damn, like, I don't remember where I got laughs. I just know that I got through the content and that was it. And that's, that, that is it. That's how it is for some people. Yeah. It's, it's there and gone in a flash. I did an open mic once. This was probably my worst public speaking moment. Uh, I did an open mic once and it was one of the smallest open mics I've ever done. There were probably like seven or eight people sitting just in chairs. It was like, it was a group of seven of us who put the thing on. Mm -hmm. We didn't advertise it. We were just like, let's just go do this thing. But the only place they could give us was at my college's like kind of main room area. And so there were like, I'd say 20 people just doing their own thing outside of our bubble uh-huh. but we ha- we were like mic'd up oh. you know what i mean and so that maybe i was maybe maybe they're like maybe there were 10 or 17 people in the open mic yeah and then probably like 20 outside hovering around yeah but there was something about that 
that at first was like, okay, this is weird because I don't know what those people are into. Uh huh. And my thing is kind of out there. It's yeah. A little bit. I did some singing. Okay. You know, it was it was out there. It was it was, st- it was storytelling at its finest for me in yeah. my opinion. But I was doing really good and I was having a good time and I got some laughs and that was fun. And then I see this kid that I know. Uh huh. From like here in town. Oh, okay. And that like froze me in spot. Because like <laughs> you probably know this about me. I'm the kind of guy who just kind of matches the atmosphere of the yes. room. You yeah. know what I mean? And so this kid is not someone I would usually hang out with because he's like uh, he's a drinker. He's a partier. He likes having sex with women a lot of the times. Not that I don't. Whatever. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to brush over that part. Way to box yourself <laughs> in there, buddy. I'm going to brush over that part. Um, but he's just not my kind of scene, not my yeah, kind of yeah. people. And so to match him, I just kind of like try and make myself the cool kid. Uh-huh. And I don't You can ask him how well that's working. But um, but he's like walking with two of his friends, and he like stopped and waved at me. And like that just like made my heart stop. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh yeah. God, he's seeing me and like who I really yeah. am. Like And I, I I froze up and I skipped like half the poem because I was like, get me the fuck off the stage. Yeah. Like so I skipped half of it, read it, got off the stage, and everyone's like, That was good. I was like, No, it wasn't <laughs> No, no, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of the cool thing though, is that uh especially for me being an introvert, um, I, I know how to mask it in certain situations. And I'll have people come up to me and like say like, dude, you're so natural at this or you've like, why aren't you doing this professionally? Blah, blah, blah. All this other, I, I believe is horseshit. And uh, it's almost like you have no idea. I was like about ready to shit my pants back there. <laughs> oh, Seriously. Okay. All right. Here's confession time. Oh, you shit your pants. No, no, no. I, no. Did I tell you the story about when I peed my pants? No. Okay. That might be next. If I remember. But um, you have to be honest with me. The best man speech I gave at Bill's wedding. Yes. How was that? Uh, I don't remember remember it. That's fair. That's fair. It was. It wasn't bad. I remember. I remember a lot more laughs than I had anticipated. Yeah. And like a good thunderous applaud. Yes. But that was one of those moments, like how you had explained it, where I was so. Nervous for that. That was the first time I've been a best man. Uh huh. It's it's my best friend Bill. You know, yes, I can't yeah, fuck this yeah. up. There's a lot of people at that wedding. Yep. And that was just one of those things where it was probably like a, if I had to guess, it was like a ten minute thing between Catherine and I because we did our little back and forth. Yeah. So yeah. I imagine it was about ten minutes. It felt like thirty seconds. Oh, I know what you mean. When I I was up, I had the mic and I I like choked on my word for a second and I was like, now or never, bud. Did the thing, and the next thing I know, I'm sitting down having cake. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Did I do good?" That's no, no, no. That's exactly how my comment, like the three times that I've performed stand up, yeah, have gone for me. Yeah, like seriously, like I stand up, and it feels like it, it's weird because it's one of those things where it feels like, oh shit, I don't have enough time, right? And you find out like afterwards, like you went on for like for me, it was like three or four minutes. I think I had for my stand-up, uh, yeah. like, moments and stuff. But it felt like it was just, like, over. Yeah, you, you'd stand up and you sit back down again. And and for that, it's moments like that that you're like, wow, I spent a month waking up in a cold sweat yeah. freaking out about this thing. Yeah. 
for what felt like two seconds. Yes. And, yeah. and, and, and you always get that, like, nice job, dude. Yeah. Like, I've never, if it's just people being polite or anything like that, I've never had someone be like, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, I've heard some best man speeches and bridesmaid speeches, like, or uh, maid of honor speeches that I'm like, should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> And now, you know, at first when I YouTubed, you know, how to give a good best man speech, as we all do, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that I walked into that. Such a millennial thing. Oh, it totally (laughs) is. But I watched some videos on it of like greatest best man speech ever. And there were like some rocking ones. Then of course, in the recommended feed, you get that one that's like best man bombs his speech yeah and i watched that and then i was like oh god that's gonna be me in a few weeks <laughs> it's always best to avoid those oh man but i'm i'm glad now because i've like in my mind i've paid my dues for yeah. being a best man and now i hope i can just be in a wedding okay because i haven't done that yet yeah i've been just... two i've been two best mans oh have you yeah okay and i've been to two weddings yeah and I'm like, okay. I just want to be in the background. Can I just do one wedding where I just can show up and then go home? <laughs> yeah, right. Know? But then that that brings the whole problem of you have to bring someone. Yeah. Or there's there's an unspoken rule that you have to bring someone at least. I've always gone stag. I'd be all right with that. I've always gone stag. I don't know people. Yeah. I'm not going to go to a bar and like, hey. You want to come? Want to go to a wedding? Yeah, it's like I don't have. You've never met me. Yeah, I don't have that sort of. I can't do that. I will never be the guy who will like walk into a bar and leave with a woman. Yeah, I just can't. I don't have that swagger. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how people. I don't know either. I'm good in social situations. Uh huh. But when in my head I'm like, that girl is pretty. Then all of a sudden, hi. uh, uh, Say something funny. I'm socially awkward. Yeah. Thank you for coming. And I now, will leave now. And now you know I'm interested in you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it goes. So you pissed your pants. Oh yeah, I've so, shit my pants. Like I'll, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Like when I've I get never, real sick, sometimes I've never done the skid marks yeah. before. But peed my pants? No, I don't but think I, I've ever done that. But I peed my pants in high school. Oh, which is big boy territory. Yeah. You're not supposed to pee your pants then. And so. Let me start off by saying that I didn't, like, wet myself. Okay. I didn't have to get a change of pants or anything okay. like that. I didn't have to call in the, the support troops. Gotcha. It wasn't anything serious. So I've always been a fan of darker colors. Mm-hmm. That's no secret. It's not that I'm, like, emo or anything like that. Uh-huh. It may be just because that's what I've always worn, but I look better in darker colors. Yes. And so that's usually primarily what I stick to. I don't know what it was, but that particular ba- day I had tan tan pants. Oh, okay. Uh, which is fine. I ha- I own a few pair of tan pants. That's yeah. good. Growing up, my father was a great father, good man to me, and everything like that. But something that he never taught me as a man was the shake-shake-zip technique Ooh. when you were using a urinal. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not very good at being a man to begin with. We've discussed this on the yeah. podcast anyway. So you can chalk that up on the list of things that I'm not good at. I never learned the shake, shake, zip. So as far as I'm concerned, this has been a problem until that day uh-huh. for a long time. But I've just always been wearing darker pants. So I'm in Spanish class, and it's the last class of the day. And it, it, it's, just, it's one of those moments where I've never asked to go to the bathroom in high school but it was just one of those days where it like you're sitting there at at 
320 and then at 321 it just hits you oh yeah and you're like this has to happen right now and it's like 10 minutes before the class gets out it's really silent we may have been taking a test actually but i was like uh ola uh i forget what it is something about the banyo i know banyo's bathroom but i asked if i can go to the bathroom she's like dude there's like 10 minutes left i was like Dude, <laughs> dude, let, let me let me go to the bathroom. She was like, "All right, go to the bathroom." So I like sp- sprinted. She was like, "You have to be back in three minutes." It's like, oh jeez, jeez. Oh, Head out, fly down the hallway, go to the bathroom, urinal. Didn't have time to do the sit down, which I like doing every once in a while. Okay. Relaxing, you know. Not today. Urinal, boom, in out. Yeah. <laughs> and I run into the classroom and. I didn't notice. Uh-huh. Right? Dead silent class, keep in mind. Uh-huh. My girlfriend was in the class, keep in mind. <laughs> it's getting better. It's getting better. My best friend in the whole entire world, Dylan Thomas at the time. But <laughs> I run in, my buddy Dylan, he just stands up and goes, Dude! Oh, oh no! You peed your pants! <laughs> Gosh. The whole class erupts in laughter. The teacher's laughing. I'm oh, assuming I'm just no. red in the face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I start laughing because it was hilarious. Yeah. And I've I've always been okay somewhat with laughing at myself because uh-huh. if you can't laugh at yourself, then what's the point? Right. But so I'm cracking up. The whole class is cla- cracking up. It was just – it was really, really one of those moments. But it was, it was also probably the first time where I was like truly embarrassed. It's like holy shit, you know. Yeah. Me, a 17-year-old, just – peed my pants and then the teacher <laughs> bless her soul she gave me a wet wipe and i had to wipe my seat down <laughs> that's like that's a little top like that's the cherry, the cherry on, on the top, top is she made me with a wet wipe clean the chair the off this flavored cherry right on the topper yeah oh so that's, that's so good oh my goodness yeah. That's my pee. pee oh pants my goodness! You should have played it off like a Billy Madison moment. Like, what all the cool kids are doing <laughs> now? <laughs> everyone was already laughing though. I didn't need another moment to like make everyone laugh. The, like, I did it on purpose. The moment was already. The moment was already gone. But yeah, ever since that day, I think I, I'm like shake, 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 zip. Segway. Segway. What else is going on? In the in, in the world. So uh, I just got back from Laramie, Wyoming today. Yes, you did. Uh, literally like before I stepped in and we started press record, I had just done a two hour trek back two and a half hour trek back from Laramie teaching, uh, a group of about 16 high school students, uh, about storytelling and film, mostly women, mostly women. Yeah. It was, it was like all but one dude, like, which is um, cool. Yeah. The, the future is, the future is feminine. Yeah. So, which is kind of crazy because going through film school, it was like women made up like less than 10% of the right, school. Right, it was like totally the opposite. So, and today it was like 90% of them were girls. Which is so, cool. That's super um, cool. But it was it was fun because this is like my first time like actually getting a classroom setting and uh, getting to talk about story. Like the main point was to talk about character yeah. Like story is all like is what I'm about and specifically character is what I'm about. Like I try to every time I go to write a story, I always take time to really consider the character that I'm writing. Um, and 
play the story out through that. And I ho- really wanted to get that chance to imbue that knowledge on another generation. So it was kind of cool because I had never done it before. Right. Um, added pressure to it was that uh, I had to figure out how to make use of two sessions, two workshop sessions with the same group and figure out how to have enough time to go over everything that I wanted to and also have time to do some other stuff. Because unfortunately, when you're discussing film, and this could go for other things, but you can break them down into smaller bits, I think. But with like how I was taught how to tell stories, specifically through character, like we had two hour, two and a half hour classes right. on each like little bit. And it filled up the hour and still sometimes is like, I'm sure that my professor will would have been like, I could have easily gone out for another totally. hour. Totally. So, so it was interesting cause, uh, I, uh, was expecting, uh, to like fail completely today. That would have made for a much more interesting story. It would have made for a much more interesting story. Um, maybe not, maybe interesting wasn't the right word. A much uh, funnier. Yeah, much funnier story. Much funnier story. It's not, it's not a pea-flavored cherry <laughs> for sure. That's for sure. It was a success-flavored cherry. It was a success-suck. Oh, my God. I'm just going to stop. Success. The, the, the innuendos today have been on fire. Truly on so. fire. Uh, but I did find like here's here's something kind of funny about this like so I, I the program that I went and taught at was called High School Summer Institute at University of Wyoming or University of Wyoming Summer, High School Summer Institute and how it works out is that sophomores students that are just entering their sophomore year going into their junior year uh, are selected from different cities within Wyoming to come participate in this three week. Uh, institute and it's essentially like summer camp but right. it, at a university that's so, pretty cool yeah and it's it's really cool because the students get to live in the dorms they go to college classes right they do co- they quote they, unquote they college do college classes. for three weeks yeah yeah, yeah. but um, at a sophomore high school level yeah, exactly which is awesome it is um so you get to, like you are for the most part, like they do have counselors that keep an eye on you and stuff. But I remember going there and it was like I had free reign during times like when I was supposed to go to class and right. how to get to class. Like it was all on me to figure out how to get navigate campus, um, which is a fantastic pretty, practice. It's a pretty big campus. Yeah. Like University of Wyoming. Like, yeah. In, yeah. In the grand scope of things. Um, I had to do my own laundry. Uh, had to, like you literally are living it up like a college student. So that's cool. Um, but I went back in 2000 and these students, 2018, they hadn't even been born yet. Right. <laughs> so like there's a big gap between me and them. And then one of the other presenters that I met up, uh, with at there, she's like fresh out of college, <laughs> just like, this is weird. I'm like way, way right. like don't know generationally. And uh, one of the things that I asked them was tell me about f- like the films that you guys love. Like what, what are the first film, what are the, some of the first films that you fell in love with or what are your favorites? And like every one of them were like, I, I could recognize, but like I didn't watch really some of them I didn't watch like, and some of them I should have watched. 
Like, are they like? Were you surprised by year of what they came out, or were they like saying like the Incredibles? No, they they were like the Incredibles, like a lot of Disney and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but there was some like some that kind of like were like, oh, that's an right, interesting choice. Right. One of the girls there, she's like, she loves the Saw movies, and I was like, horror fan, like you don't <laughs> you don't see that often, right? With, with that group and stuff, so um, not not girls, but like like young teenage girls and stuff like that, especially ones that grew up in Wyoming. Right. Um, not really like a horror fan base there. Um, and I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong and I hope I'm not insulting, but like horror, I feel isn't huge in screenwriting. It is. Is it? Oh yeah. yeah. But like, is it? Yes. I always thought it would be something like, like a sci-fi or like Game of Thrones, where it's in the screen. It's where in the screenwriting you say, uh, and then the monster shows up, and no, then no. in the in you it's all special effect, all post-production heavy. Yeah, but uh, like to get the story, like a good horror film still uses a st- the story structure, the story That's structure fair. and stuff. That's like, it, it, and here here's some, like just a little side note with with film and screenwriting, every genre has their own beats. Like an action film structure is different from a horror film structure. Right. Horror film structure is different from a romantic comedy structure. A family movie is different from like a, a romantic comedy structure. Right. They all have their own beats and their own places and stuff. The, kind of the cool thing is when you get to mix and match some of those. Yeah. So like, for example, like with Deadpool, um, or Shaun of the Dead, they mixed two different like right. genres. Like right. with Deadpool, it was a romantic comedy super superhero genre. Right. Um, and then with like Shaun of the Dead, it was horror elements mixed in with romantic comedy. Right. So you get to see like how different things play things off can together. mesh together. Um, and something that's also kind of fascinating too is like comedy structure has some similarities with horror, and you wouldn't notice like just. At, look, at glance right. and stuff, but the way they do some of the um, story building, the beats and stuff like that, they can match up with with each other and stuff. So, because you you build, you want to build some sort of tension, and then the release sure. is the re, you want to be able to release that right. tension. Right. So, because with jokes, you have a setup and you have a punchline. Thor, you have. Ooh, something scary is going to come get me. And then, oh, you have something scary come get you. So they match up, play off each other pretty well. If you cut, if you cut them open, they bleed similarly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but it was it was just like weird, some of the films that they're talking about, because it was like, these are all like really young films, and I haven't seen some of these films I haven't seen in years. What were some of them? So I, I you had some of the Pixar ones, like The Incredibles. Uh, Brave was another one that I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't heard of that. Uh, is that the one? Is that like the Brave? It's the, the one with the redhead chick. Yeah, yeah. Scottish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lore yeah. and stuff. Where the um, it's all m- the main character is a princess, but she doesn't want to be a princess. She wants to go against the the typical tropes of a, what a woman, quote unquote, sure. is supposed to be. So. Um, and then Anastasia, which was another anime. A lot of them were all animated. Yeah. Um, and then one person was Iron Man, which is kind of funny because the film that I 
decided to showcase and show some of the points that I was trying to make was Doctor Strange. And if you put Doctor Strange and Iron Man side by side, there is so many similarities in those character designs. Right. Because they're both like narcissistic. They both are brilliant. Like super rich. Super brilliant, super rich. Um, both kind of have the same flaw in essence and stuff. So The only difference is Doctor Strange is actually a superhero. Burn! Oh! So what? Just because he makes a suit doesn't make him a superhero? Exactly. What about Batman? Um, Batman's a little different. Cause like, what? How is he different? Well, because you could say uh, he's not different. <laughs> You're right. Now we because got every like, person because, that listens to our podcast open arms over that now. That's fine. I have no – I have no uh, – I do not lose sleep at offending superhero fans because okay. I've done it plenty of times before. Yes. It's basically – it's a, it's as normal as breathing to me yes. is offending people who are super <laughs> fans of superheroes. But, like, I mean, come on. Give it 15 years and we'll have a real Iron Man in the, the United States. Yeah, maybe. And, like, arguably the same could be said about Bruce Wayne. True. Some rich asshole could be like, I want to make a suit that can fly and also shoot rockets. It probably wouldn't be like as cool as Iron Man's yeah. thing, but he's not like a superhero. I I would so, totally disagree with that. But like, if you disagree with me, then Jason Bourne is a superhero. Yeah, you could say that. Like, he does. He's he, just he he's he's one billion dollars away from being Batman. True. I would say that. So, so is so you say Jason Bourne's a superhero? I, I would say so, but he's also he's not real. He's not entirely a hero. Hero. I wouldn't say. Right, but he's more about getting himself out of like just leave All me right, the so fuck alone. So let me alone. think of someone who's out for the greater good then, but who is definitely not a superhero. <laughs> I'll think of something. Okay. The new John McClane, I would say, is like pretty close to a freaking superhero because he's indestructible. Yeah. And he is for out for the greater good. I'll, I, I'll think of it. It'll come, <laughs> it'll come to me at like midnight tonight. I'll, right. I'll call you. Twitch. Twitch, this is who it is. This is who it is. All right. Lady Bird. I have still not seen it. Oh, my God. Did you just watch it again recently or... I haven't seen it at all. I thought you've seen it. Did I say I've seen it? Yeah. I must have meant to say I was going to watch it. Okay. Or I'm just a liar. Gotcha. But I don't think it's the latter. Okay. I'm pretty sure I either said that I haven't seen it yet or when I said I'd seen it, I meant to say that I wanted to see it. Regardless, I watched it for the first time today. Uh-huh. So fucking good. I really want to watch it. It looks super funny. It's it's totally right up my alley for indie comedy type yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, because it, it's very off humor. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this, Twitch, my sensitive ass was crying for like 20 minutes after the movie ended. Yeah, I, I had a feeling it's one of those like comedies with a purpose. Most indie comedies are. Yes. They have some sort of... Uh, uh, some sort of like tragedy or something like that that they're trying to, you know, use humor to yeah. explain. Yeah, it was. It's probably 
So one of the things that gravitates me toward Game of Thrones so much is that it's so believable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In such a fantasy world yes. where people are bringing people back from the dead, like although the seventh season was seventh season believable. was tropey, it was tropey. Yeah, but um, you can't have you can't have something that was gaining as much as as much momentum as it was uh-huh. from the get go, and then like it's almost like. Game of Thrones, R.R. Martin was the train tracks. Yeah. And Game of Thrones was the train. Yeah. Right? And then A Song of Fire and Ice ended yep. while it was going up, and the train has to sort of keep going. Yeah, yeah, It's impossible. It can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. George R.R. Martin might not even be able to write a satisfying ending to the series because it's just been so good up until this point mm-hmm. that it's almost like the best thing he could do is just not release the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just Oof. leave it in, leave it ambiguous. Ooh, that'd be because painful. the show has to pick a defining ending now because there's like billions of people waiting True. for the final season. Well, they know they know like the overarching ending for the series. Like <laughs> George R. R. Martin when they were developing the yeah as a series. I like, mean, like actors know. know. Like Maisie Williams has already confirmed that she knows how the story ends. Yeah. There's also been I watched like a 20 minute video today that was some guy apparently who leaked every episode oh. of Game of Thrones and I was a little curious so I watched it and there were some things that I was like yeah I could totally see that happening but there were other things where I was like why would they do that yeah like they would be shooting themselves in the foot if they did that I'm gonna stay away from those yeah no totally possible. I was just curious but um but anyway I like Game of Thrones because it's it's it, you can relate to it it's like yeah. Yeah, that person would totally die in that situation. Yes. Because trying to be a hero should often get people killed. Correct. Because trying to be the hero gets people killed in this world. Yes. You know what I mean? And so there's that sense of, like, danger in it, and there's that sense of reality to it. Mm-hmm. I, got the similar, I got the similar feeling from Lady Bird. Okay. And I, I've, I'd be hard-pressed to find other mediums that do it as well as R. Martin and as whoever made Lady Bird did it. Because, like, there was something so refreshing about seeing, like, real characters mm-hmm. on screen at Lady Bird making, like, totally real decisions yeah. in life. And you'd see something happen, you'd be like, huh, that's not how, like, some tropey writer would have done it. Yeah. And it's it was so refreshing to see it happen. Yeah. And, like, the acting was phenomenal. The drama was relatable. It was so good. And the ending kind of pissed me off. Yeah. Because it's just one of those endings that's like Gotcha. Movie's over. Yeah, indie films do that a lot too. That's like there's there's positive and negatives both. Um I think with the indie films, like I think one of the things that make indie films as good as they are is the fact that they have to be low budget. Yeah. So they're forced to rely on the character rather than the spectacle. And that's what a lot of these Hollywood big budget studio films are heavily rely on is the spectacle of yeah. it. They're like, let's just finish it up, get it out there, make a hundred million dollars, call it a day, yeah, type thing, or make a billion dollars. So, so like that's that's what happens with a lot of these films is that they're they're all spectacle, no story, yeah. no character, like, yeah, and it's what when we get shit like you know. Um, Star Wars. Star Wars. Unfortunately, you've, you've, you've been wanting to say it. <laughs> I, I know. I was trying to avoid it. Uh, Just say it. <laughs> uh, but like Battleship, Transformers. Yeah. 
Um, pretty much anything that's big budget that Michael Bay has his little fingers on and stuff. All of it's it's for spectacle. It's for show. Um, to put something big and shiny on the screen and then charge people, you know, 12 bucks to go see it and then some popcorn and and popcorn and, and soda that you got to take a second mortgage out for. It's ridiculous. But those those work. You know, I not I think what they should do is they should consider thinking of new IPs for them because yes. I don't think there needed to be seven Transformers films. Correct. But I enjoyed the first one. Yeah, I I enjoyed it to an extent. Too. I haven't seen any of the other ones, but th- those are the kinds of movies where I go to expect to see impressive CG, mm-hmm. big explosions, stuff like that. Yeah. But I think every movie is slowly turning into that, or at least every movie that we hear about is every slowly big turning budget into Hollywood that. film yeah. is turning into that. And I'm and hoping, it, if I may, yeah, 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 that what's happening right now, I think, is we're starting to see some really good stories bleed through mm-hmm. again. Um, after that whole green light Hollywood issue, yeah. I think we're kind of starting to come off the backside of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping people will kind of wake up and realize that. And to be honest with you, we're kind of already seeing it with the Han Solo movie. Yes. People didn't go to it. At least with the Star Wars. I don't know if that's going to translate to other uh, film properties. What I'm saying is that it could, though. It could. Because we've, we have we stood up for Star Wars on 7, even though a lot of people didn't like it. Mm-hmm. We, we were pensive about Rogue One because it was pretty polarizing. Yeah. A lot of people liked it. Episode nine came out and we were like, this is just going to keep happening as long as we, sorry, episode eight came out. And that's, I think when people are like, this is just going to keep happening if we, if we uh, put up with it. Yep. And then they didn't put up with it. Yeah. And now we see what the repercussions of that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a telling thing because Disney really has, has a lot of work cut out to it yeah. to make nine like worth it for people to buy a ticket for. I watched it. This is turning into a Star Wars podcast, but I watched a uh, video yesterday actually while I was at work. I should have been working and I was watching Star Wars. Yeah, how to fix Star Wars franchise <laughs> videos. Anyway, um, and the guy was talking about some of the things that that Disney could do to quote fix star Wars. Mm -hmm. And some of the things I actually really agreed with them on, I'm still on the side of, I I fucking loved solo. I loved episode eight. I loved rogue one. I loved episode seven. I love the prequels. Love star Wars. Yeah. Go star Wars. I'm a fan, but I think they could have done a lot better with what you, you gave Disney the world and they returned like a city. Yeah. You know, it's like here, take this whole entire universe, mm-hmm. have fun. Like you, you, we, you have the fans in the palm of your hands. They've been waiting. They're super excited. Yes, you can't mess this up. And Disney was like, "Watch us, <laughs> right?" <laughs> <laughs> Perfect way. But but would you admit though, like even though you you liked them, you you felt they were entertaining and stuff like that. They are shitty stories. Would you? Yeah, they you are, understand that the prequels like, were shitty stories. Yeah. But, so, uh, but I just like Star Wars. And, and, and I, I have a really easy time separating that. Good. Like, as films, they're garbage. Yeah. But as world building and and lore and things that, like, when I when I have, like, fun with my imagination, let battles go out and yeah. pretend I'm in space, like, that is so healthy for me to yeah. see stuff like that. And I just love that. But one of the things that 
so I agree with you that Star Wars could be so much better. Yes. But one of the things that he said was J.J. Abrams could fix nine by doing what Ryan Johnson did to episode seven. Yes. And a- is, Abrams can be like, fuck episode eight. Yeah. Ignore that. Yeah. Ignore that. Luke's still alive. Like, doesn't need to explain it. Oh. He's still like they can. I think he can just <clears throat> do that. Yeah. You know, which is it's an unfortunate catch 22 at this point, though, because if he does it, people will be pissed. And if, if he, he doesn't, people will be pissed. exactly. And it's one of those things. It's there's no happy medium between the two. Right. I now. think I think at this point, Abrams can. It's like uh, I hate to get dark, but it's like global warming. Uh huh. We can't stop it. Yeah. At this point, we're screwed. Yeah. It's just prolonging that yeah i think that's kind of what abrams can do in a sense is like they're gonna hate episode nine can we make them hate it a little bit less a little bit less you know and i think he can i totally like i and i like i know jj abrams gets so much shit like you know uh uh tommy from uh, midnight's edge like he he said it perfectly. Like you know, he's never he's never finished. Like, yeah, he's never finished something. Yeah. Yet, so this will be the first time that we see it. Like he can do a good story. Like he's he's created some fantastic characters, some fantastic series, and stuff like that, and some fantastic lens flare. Yes, God dang. <laughs> I, if I if I would have walked in and saw Force Awakens and there would have been one goddamn like for, uh, like lens flare in there i would have walked my <laughs> ass right out i saw there was lens flare not like he does yeah, that's fair. not like not he like does, he does in all his other films <laughs> so um on sunday we, a couple of my buddies and i were watching episode nine of westworld season two uh-huh. which was awesome but <laughs> i was i was reading my phone during the because uh, we're all connected and plugged in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a victim to it. I'll talk shit about it, but I'm a victim of it. The title screen was happening, so I was checking my phone real quick. And I glanced up during the title sequence because we all make fun of the scene during the title sequence. D- did you see season two? Have no, seen I haven't seen. There's a scene in the updated title sequence where they're like designing a buffalo uh-huh. and then it's like falling. And we always make the joke that like the machine gave up and was like, fuck this Buffalo. <laughs> it's just like falling through the sky. And so I wanted to look up cause the Buffalo makes me laugh every time. And the bottom left I was like, does that say JJ Abrams? Yeah. Did he did. He was he an executive producer on the show? Yeah. And the first fucking scene is like massive lens flare. And I was like, oh, he did. He, he was an executive producer of the show. Oh, that's so awesome. It was so convenient. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, no, I could totally buy it. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so awesome. Yeah, that was the one thing that pissed me off about uh, Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams version of Star Trek. That first one, every single I scene saw it, I saw it in practically theater. had a lens flare. I saw it in theater once. That the What was that? Star Trek Oblivion? Uh, what was it called? It's just Star Trek. Was it just the called Star one, Trek? Yeah. Um, that was the only one I'd see. I've never been a Trek Trekkie. Um, I, I'm not a Trekkie either, but the, the first two – well, I would say the – the three Star Trek films, the new ones that they made, they're actually pretty good. The second one is far better than the first one. JJ is the only one I've seen, um, but they're all good. And I so. watched like a few episodes of Next Generation, but yeah, I can't. I'm not into the series at all. That's one of those things where 
I like to think of myself as an old soul. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's true or not is not my concern because I think it is, so fuck you. But um, that's one of those things, old television, where I can't relate to anyone about. Old movies, too. People yeah. are like, oh, I love the films from the... And it's like, no, you don't. Don't lie to yourself. They're not good. They They're do. They're good stories. But if you want a good story, you can read a book from, oh, that, from I will, that time. I, I'm going to disagree with you wholeheartedly but like, on this. Uh, uh, Star Trek Next Generation, though. That's okay. mainly what I'm focusing on. It's like what at the time was considered like pioneers of sci-fi. Yeah. Were like... It's it's a generational thing. I will totally yes, step yeah. that up to yeah. like a generational thing because you're born in an era of modern of filmmaking. Fucking awesome. So CG where films. the yes, where the the technology is like so advanced yes. that yes. they can make a sci-fi scene and make it seem realistic unless you're watching the sci-fi channel, which is totally And I'm super opposite. yeah, it's cuz they have um, a budget of $30. Yeah. Um <laughs> But like with those old film, like old films and like old TV series, specifically in the sci-fi, everything was absolutely practical effects, and especially with the some of those series and stuff. Like if you're even diving deeper into like the '50s and stuff like that, like they they had no idea what like futuristic stuff would look, yeah. like, even come close to looking like, or what space is really like. So. Watching those now and stuff like that feel super dated and everything. Like, totally understand that. But if you're able to, like, divorce yourself from that, like, quote-unquote cheesiness and stuff, then you can actually go back and enjoy it, which I can. For me, that's books, though. That's For you, that's books. For me, that's books. Because, like, I have a very active imagination. I have a very Mm. big imagination. But... I I've said it about Star Wars before, and the more I'm realizing it, the more I'm realize that I think this way with all films is that I look at what's presented to me as fact. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I take that and I say, all right, good. And there's something about that that I just can't take in as fact because it's unbelievable. Because you're you're so focused on the the wires that are in the scene, exactly, versus the exactly. Actual, like, and I've seen I've seen three dragons in Game of Thrones look more realistic than if they were actual real dragons. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me to then go back and watch scenes from like the original Jurassic world, Jurassic park is like, come on. Are you serious? Like you can't even get into Jurassic park. That is, first of all, I don't really like dinosaurs. I didn't really like Jurassic world. What? What's what cool kind of childhood did you have, man? I had one. What, did I, what was my childhood? Star Wars. <laughs> that was it, dude. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I've like just grown up on Star Wars. Star Wars and SpongeBob. That's so. That's so funny that you couldn't get into Jurassic Park, man. But here's my thing. I'm. I'm making enemies this podcast. I know it, but practical effects. I love it. Homage is great, and all that stuff. But, like, it can be done better and cheaper in CG. Not entirely true. Not With entirely most true. Things. I, I would. Except I would, for, like, Deputy Director Krennic. <laughs> I would say that not cheaper, sometimes That's faster, li- uh, less load. Um, 
Uh, it's it's super expensive expensive to do CGI. I guess I mean cheaper time wise. Yeah, to an extent, but there's it's still pretty heavy. And what like for me, sometimes CGI takes me out. Like, but but like what? It totally it totally ruins the fantasy for me. Like, give me an example. So, uh, one of the like. For example, like with Lord of the Rings, when they use CGI for some of the characters, especially when, uh, shit, the do not pass, dude. God, what? <laughs> do I know a guy's name from Lord of the Rings and I haven't even seen the last film? <laughs> Gandalf, dude. No, no, no. I know Gandalf. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. I forgot the name of the monster or the bad guy that's oh, in the, the cave. Anyways, when you see some of the characters running from like they do a bird's eye view yeah of a shot and you see some of the characters like running along one of the bridges and stuff like that i totally recognize that as cgi but that was like a long time ago. yeah but jurassic park though the cgi is like phenomenal in my opinion for that time era that's fair and star wars had a lot of cg to it the the ogs yeah they had a good amount they did a lot practical. They did. And they did they did their practical well. Yeah. But nowadays, I mean, I watched a video talking about how CG is a crucial part of film. And and there's a lot of CG that I think people don't think about when they're bitching about CG because what people tend to focus on is like oh my god, Superman's mustache was so noticeable in the new whatever he franchise he's a part of, uh-huh. but like entire cities are made oh, no, in no, CG. No. no, I totally, totally See, understand. Uh, computers can make that like architecture, correct, correct, better than we can make architecture. No, no, no. And I, I'm not yeah. fighting you on that. Yeah. I'm not fighting you on that. That's, that's I totally understand. That's where I think it saves time. I, I would agree. You, with that. you get an actor in like a big open facility for mm-hmm. 15 minutes and you have 30 minutes worth of footage. Yeah. You know, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. But what, what distracts me sometimes is some of the, t- uh, some of the t- specific, it's usually when they CGI a character. Yeah. To, like, we're not quite there. Crazy yet. extent. Like that's, I, I can see the seams in that and it's that sometimes can take me out of the, sure. the story. So for, yeah, I, I agree with you there, but I, I don't know. I'm picky. But and I'd rather like when you hear a film is using like a majority of the film is actually all CGI and stuff that bothers me a little bit. What about Avatar? That's James Cameron. Avatar, not the shitty. Yeah, yeah, one, I know, but. I know what you meant. Uh, that used a lot of CGI as well, but um, <laughs> we don't talk about that. Yeah, one, we don't <laughs> talk about that. So that was a product of his vision and stuff like that. And if it's used as a pro, like if it's used as a way to further the story and stuff like that, or tell more about the story, I'm all for it. It's okay. really thumbs up for me. But when you can use practical effects that are just as good and sometimes even better than the CGI, it's like, why not use it? You just don't want to like do the headache of extra personnel. Like, you know that this and, dude can, And you like, know that audiences are going to be pissed off. Yeah. What do you think of Game of Thrones CG over the years? Like from Over the years, from, it's gotten better. Yeah. By far, it's gotten better. I think that um, shows the progression of, A, the budget, and, B, 
just technology in general. And they really try to shoot on location yeah. for almost everything they do. And then some of it, it's the, just like unavoidable. They have to put yeah. some CGI, especially when they're doing winter stuff, like with global warming. Uh, yeah, they've been so picky about filming in the winter. Yeah. And they're like, well, there's no more snow. So. Yeah, so we got to do something. <laughs> so we have to do something. CG. Totally understand that. But like I – and I'm – if you can shoot it practically – that's a route that I would much prefer you doing um, because I think that there's like not to shit talk animators and stuff sure. like that, but there is a certain like there's a certain like uh, there's a little bit more of a feeling that I get out of it. Sure. Because it's something that somebody had to really like really think through this and like problem solve. Like, how do we make this effect that is seemingly like impossible seamless sure and i think that there's an artistry to that that is cannot be touched i think there's a similar, by cgi i think there's a similar art behind it in cg no i think that cgi is because very like, artful in and of itself because i just point to scenes i always point to scenes in game of thrones but like with the dragons specifically mm-hmm. in season seven specifically when they actually got good and rooted and they yeah. felt like they're in the world but you can just see that like someone animated everything. No, there's I, no there's no shortcuts or anything like that. Yes. It, like when when the when there's a close up with stupid John scene touching the dragon. Uh-huh. Um you like see the skin react to yes. John's. It's so cool. And I and I I totally agree with you there. I just think that if it's practical, it could be done it's better if you can do it practically. Well, well, because you can fuck up practical too. It' very true. It, you know, we got a bunch of sci-fi films that can prove that beyond reason. Um, but like, I hate it when they like do like scars on people's faces and like they do it all CGI and stuff. Like they do the gore CGI's. Like, yeah, there's some. What, stuff. What's the point of doing that? Like, yeah. it's so much easier to give somebody a squid and use that with a little minor explosive to like show the yeah. popping of like they got shot that way. Because, That's such because so computer, much more believable. Yeah, computers can't handle yeah, that than a freaking CGI like gun. Like I agree with blood that. Splatter. I agree with that. That to me is lazy. Yes, B- creating more work so that you don't have to creating more work for the others. Yes, you know the people who can handle it. But yep. but uh, but yeah, I digress. There are some things though that I think can be solved by completely doing animation. Like what? My idea to fix Legion for me is to make it an animated show. Oof. I love how oddball that, that show is. I don't get why people love how oddball that show is. Let's talk about that, actually. Let's finish up by talking about Legion. I really don't know how to explain it, but... <laughs> I, so so tell me this, because this is, this is what's on Graydon and I's mind yeah. all the time, is are we too stupid to get it? Oh, like a Rick and Morty situation? Yeah. Like, is our IQ too low to get it? No, I think part of it is that you may have not, um, you may have not been exposed to, uh, enough, um, experimental content would be, would be the best way that I could put it. I am a fan Um, of the mainstream. Yes. If, if millions of people view it and like it. Yeah. I probably will too. Because if if anybody tries to argue that Legion is not 
rooted in experimental filmmaking, um, then they're they're lying essentially. I got a Charlie horse that just oh ripped up bad in my ankle. That's a bummer. Um, anyways, um, so because there's a lot of elements that go in Legion that feel very foreign. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a bunch of foreign films like one one person that would be able to like uh one director that i'm sure that you've probably heard of maybe seen some of his stuff david lynch yeah did you ever see twin peaks yes he's david lynch did twin peaks yeah. and he does some experimental like it's still very rooted and like grounded in stuff but there's still some experimental stuff that he plays with in twin peaks but some of his stuff is just like super experimental it's very like cerebral and like there's not much narrative like to it at all um so and that's i think that that's the world that legion is trying to play in although they're still trying to do a narrative story throughout it which noah halley is very good at doing yes i'll give him props i mean he's he's clearly made a fandom that is super in touch with it but like It proved that it wasn't just me because Graydon is a huge Marvel superhero, uh-huh. DC, everything fan. Yes. He's seen all the movies. He's read the comic books. He's big nerd about that. But he doesn't like this show. And so for me, it was like, okay, it's good. It's good. It's not just superhero haters that don't like this. Mm-hmm. And him and I both feel the same way. It's like I spend the whole time I'm watching an episode, and the feeling that I have is that I've missed an episode. Yes. That's my feeling. And that's not good. No, and I I would understand that. I it's it's definitely more for a select niche audience and stuff. It's not for superhero fans. If you're if you're a superhero fan and you don't and you kind of like the I don't mean to say it like more structured, grounded, cookie cutter if you sure. will, superhero genre, it's it's not the it's not the show for you. Um they t- and the reason why they're able to get away with it. And I'm surprised that Fox is still, uh, it's cause doing it like millions of people like it. Um, it's, it's weird. Cause it's one of those things where I don't think millions of people's millions of people would actually enjoy it. Right. Typically. Well, tens of millions, I should say. I and mean, it's not something that I see tens of millions of people enjoying and stuff. But I think one of the reasons they get away with it is because it's a super obscure character. Yeah. It's not in the main line of all the other Marvel X-Men um, realm and stuff like that. So they have that ability to get away with kind of a screwball character. The other thing that the other reason is that it's on FX and it's not on yeah. Fox proper. So FX has been known to do take some chances. American with Horror Story. Material. Um, that's definitely more of like mainstream and stuff, more grounded. Baskets. And stuff. Baskets is the one that I would more more align Legion with. Yeah. Because it's one that's it's still very narrative and it's not as like but off it, kilter and stuff. But it's an experimental in a strange. But way. it's definitely strange. It's definitely like got some very like cerebral moments, experimental ish stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's still more straightforward as a series. Versus Legion, where Legion is very much an experimental yeah. piece. Yeah, I mean, like the, the, the I was having a conversation with Graydon about it, and I was telling him that I I've been doing my research on it, and I 
watched the final episode of season two. Have you? Are you caught? Oh up? Yeah, yeah, no, no, not a season two. Not on season two. No. So the final boss fight is between him and uh, and Veratu. What's his name? Shadow King. Yeah, but he's got like a. I think it's something like Veratu. It's Shadow King, though. Yeah. Um. And the the first bit of the fight is them singing a duet of Blue Eyes yes. by What's Their Faces. Um, and that to me like whoosh, sucked right out. Yeah. And I'm laughing at this final scene. It's like this is so stupid. And I'm telling my friend about it, and Graydon's like, "You just made that up. Like you're just <laughs> you're bitching. You're you're." You're teasing me. And I was like, I wish I was. Yeah. Go watch the video. And I don't know. It's And it's something that if you're not exposed to that stuff regularly or, like, don't understand that, it's going to be harder for you to grasp onto. Yeah. Um, and that's why those some of those types of films, like, people just go out just, like, confused. or like, I don't know what I just watched. Right. Like, I don't have an opinion on it because, you know, like it's, it's too, it's too artsy. If yeah. You will. Yeah. Um, and you know, experimental does get that rap that it's way too artsy and, uh, you know, for good reason in some situations, there's some films that are just like, it, it's similar to some modern art that's out there. You know, there's a painting out there that yeah. looks like it's been made by like a third third grader and stuff and it's on sale for two million exactly so um there's definitely elitist feel to it that's and fair everything and i think that that's one thing that turns people off from experimental is because it's for the artsy elite yeah um which is not true like and a big part about experimental films is it's trying to two things that they do is they want to do something visual that's different and stuff. Anything that's a big draw to like Legion is that it's visually doing something different. But can't you do that with an animated show better? Not necessarily. Like you, you might be able to tell uh, the like, story better. I think of Studio Ghibli when people say that uh, that real film is a is visually more appealing than animation. Okay. Because, like, all of Ghibli's films are out of this world. True. And but, but that's why it works is because it can be out of this world. But it's a more straightforward narrative, though. But you don't have to be, I don't think. You, I, don't know well, if I've, I don't know if I've ever seen – well, no, no, the no, exception no. of maybe Attack on Titan, I don't know if I've ever seen non-conventional animation done, but I'm sure it can be. Yeah, you can definitely – like, so – you can do narrative in, or sorry, sorry. You can do experimental in animation. You can do experimental on in film, like real life and stuff. Um, and you can do the same with narrative and everything. Right. But Legion is not meant to be. It's not. Pre- I don't believe it's primarily meant to be straightforward narrative. Whereas the Studio Ghibli films, they're supposed to be straightforward. Sure. Narrative. Sure. They do use some experimental stuff. More, more or less, it's more it's more adding to the world because with Studio Ghibli, that's the world that they live in. Like this is the the forms that you see when uh, Miyazaki, uh, Miyazaki, yeah, um, when he creates those characters and stuff like that. 
that's the realm that they live in. This sure. is grounded in that world. That's the rules that they've set forward, specifically with movies like Spirited Away. Right, um, which is what everyone goes to when... And I'm not a fan of Spirited Away. Like, I thought it's it's decent. Sure. But it's, it's a good, like, as far as, like, like my quickie, like, entertaining versus good. Yeah. I It's good. It's a good, solid story and stuff like that in a film. Now, it wasn't very entertaining. Very entertaining to, to you. That's fair. Um, I like a lot of other Miyazaki's uh, projects. My my absolute 100% favorite of his is Princess Mononoke. Um, that is absolutely my favorite. And that's that does go in some of the odd experimental stuff right. too as well. But I think Legion is trying to be a visual spectacle in and of itself, along with some storytelling stuff and telling that story in very odd ways. Um, one of the, like, and I guess one of the things that you could do too, is that if, if the scene where they're doing the fight, they're battling off each other and they're singing uh, to each other, doing a duet as part of their battle, you know, there's something that they do in film schools called director's workshops. And what it is, you typically take a pre existing material. So like usually it's a scene from a movie or a TV series that's already be done. And the director directs it the way that they would like to direct it. So sometimes you get these crazy scenes. Like I've seen, um, one for, uh, I think it was fight club. And it was one, it was the, Conversation between, uh, oh God, what's his character's name? Anyways, it's between Ed Norton and uh, Brad Pitt when they're fighting or something like that. And they play him off as if they're, uh, in the director's workshop, it was a male and a female. And they were in bed together. Oh, that's cool. So they took the dialogue and they swapped it out into a totally different scene. Right. To juxtap- like to make it completely different than the fight club scene. So it had a different, it kind of delivered the same ideas, but it was in a different setting. Right. And the characterization was slightly different. So it kind of took on a whole different meaning. That's sort of, this is a stretch here, but that's sort of how, um, oh, geez. That's sort of how the Duffer Brothers pitched Stranger Things. Yeah. Is they took, like, without a paddle clips and um, all those, like, older films, mm-hmm. but then added horror. Yeah. And just, like, mashed them together. Yeah. And was like, here's the show we want to make. And now we have Stranger Things. Yeah. So, and I think that that's one of the things that they're playing around with Legion. In the, is that Interesting. Thing. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So, like... I'll say this. I do have respect for scenes like that when I rip myself out and look at it from 90,000 feet in Mm -hmm. the air. And I say, that's really cool storytelling because I love when people break the mold. Yes. I really do. But I I don't know. I just have such a hard time with that show being experimental. Yeah. And, you know, it's – let me look him up. (laughs) Who are you looking up? Hold on. Is it Noah Halley? Yeah, Noah Halley. So, like, you know, we've seen it with Noah Halley. He can tell a coherent story from beginning to end. He did it with Fargo. He did such a freaking good job. And that wasn't, like, that wasn't an experimental. 
Um, but Noah Hawley, he did Fargo, and that's like a very like coherent story that is it has it has a great arc to it, and it's um, different, and it's different, and it's narrative, and like if you watch it all the way through, it's pretty easy to follow and everything. So we know that he can do that type of thing. Yeah. And then we see him do something like Legion, which is like totally opposite. Yeah. Um, and he breaks, breaks the mold and breaks the rules, quote unquote. Um, one of the things that is, uh, there's a, uh, a book that I'm reading right now. It's by Robert McKee and he's this really awesome dude when it comes to scripts and stuff like that and screenwriting. Um, and one of the things that he talks about in there is that there's a problem between people that are uh, good writers and great writers or that are there's a difference between writers. You usually have writers that just are untrained um, and think that they can write and they just write this story out and they like do all these stuff that is goes against what you're supposed to do yeah. in screenwriting. And usually, like, nine times out of ten, it's going to be crap right. most of the time right. it comes out. But then you have screenwriters that have actually been trained, and they know their craft in and out. They know all the principles of it, of what makes a good story, what makes a good character, what makes a good uh, film. And then they put their signature on and it. And then they put their signature on it. And if they understand and master those principles – they're a great, great storyteller. Then they can use those principles to later on throw them out the window because they've already mastered them. Right. They know what works and what doesn't work. And they can test the waters and see if the story makes sense. Sure. Um, and that seems end. what Howley has yes, done. Very much so. Because one of the things that's great about screenwriting is that Everybody like, and this this could go for anything within the art world. Everybody likes to think there's rules that you have to follow. Yeah. It does. There shouldn't be anything that's called a rule when you're dealing with art, because art is subjective. Art is of the moment. It's the person that's created it. It's yeah. up to them to yeah. decide what to do. If you call it a principle, if you call something that you're technically a technical thing in the art world, it should be called a principle. Right. And principles are something that you can use or not use. Rules, the the whole phrase "rules are meant to be broken." I hate it, <laughs> but it, but it applies. <clears throat> it does apply, but it's it's as if it's they're already setting it up to say like you have to follow these or nothing, right? Type thing, right? So long story short, we're too stupid for Legion. Yes, uh, you're not you're not of the elite. <laughs> Um, just like the Rick and Morty gang. Yep. You That's can't fine. Understand it, so you should just stop watching it. That's fine. More for you. <laughs> more for you. We've given up, so there's no more Legion. So thank you guys for joining us. That's going to be it for us this week. Uh, like we said at the beginning of the show, you can follow us on Twitter at KN Nerds, at Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Know Nothing Nerds, or search us Know Nothing Nerds on Facebook.com, or you could email us at Know Nothing Nerds at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share, and like this episode either on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Yes. We're going to come into the other platforms at some point. We don't know when. 
because we're like that. And we just we like are to like do that. spur of the moment or like, oh shit, we forgot to do that one thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, type thing. Uh, but you guys are cool, and I'm not gonna be awkward right now. So we're just gonna head the fuck out. Nice. Bye bye. That wasn't awkward at all. <laughs> <laughs>